of Friday, December 4th, 2009, and this is The Relevant Podcast. The Relevant Podcast is your audio companion to Relevant Magazine and RelevantMagazine.com. I'm Cameron Strang, and here with me in our Orlando, Florida studios is our associate editor, Ryan Hamm. Hi, everyone. Uh, And we're just doing it three-handed today. On the Skype line from Virginia Beach, Virginia, we have Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. And that's it. On the ones and twos through the glass wall, we have Chad Michael Snavely, and you will be hearing him. This lovely voice coming up later. Well, it's, uh, let's see, this is the first podcast of December. It's true. And uh, winter is in the air. It's, it's you know, 81 degrees down here. It's a chilly 81. Um, <laughs> it's sick- a brisk 81. <laughs> yeah. It sickens me. <laughs> well, you've gotten to the two extremes. Last Christmas, yeah. you were in Chicago. Last Christmas, I was in Chicago. Yeah. And so this year, see, the, the thing about Chicago is that the cold is great through Christmas because you're shopping downtown, like you're on Michigan Avenue, you're going to all the stores, everyone's bustling around, there are lots of Salvation Army bells ringing, carolers, it's very festive, it snows. And then, you know, then January hits mm-hmm. and the whole city collectively decides, well, January's here, it's still freezing, we all want to die. Mm-hmm. So instead <laughs> of dying, we're just going to get mad at each other for three months. <laughs> so you sort of stay in this kind of three-month permafrost where everyone hates each other. You get on the bus, they just glare at you, demand your $2, and then you sit down and sort of huddle with your iPod and don't make any human contact. So there's that, which is not fun. But Christmas is great. But Christmas is great. And so I am missing that sort of brisk, like, winter's here, it's exciting and new part. We get that for a week in late January. (laughs) Just, you know... (laughs) But um, well, Thanksgiving was great because it was cold at night. Right, and that, I loved it. You'll uh, get patches like that. Yeah, and I enjoyed that immensely. Uh, I believe a cold front is coming through as we speak. I know. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, a cold front being that it's going to go into the 60s. Right. Yeah. My my grandparents were jealous of me when I talked to them on Thanksgiving. <laughs> okay. <So>. Snowbirds. <laughs> um, okay, we have a, a packed yet again a, pa- a packed uh, podcast for you we have an interview coming up with um, a legendary author and speaker Ron Sider mm-hmm. and, and also we have a live in-studio performance by worship leader Charlie Hall quite quite the lineup is, is Charlie Hall the one with the goatee they are all the ones with the goatee <laughs> but, but yes Charlie <laughs> Hall has you said worship leader right yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, Charlie's Charlie's goatee is getting insane that's like the epic goatee right well him and David Crowder okay and yeah. here's the thing it's like I don't they're on the same label and they have the same kind of goat like why aren't they why aren't on. they with goatee oh yeah. <laughs> oh see goatee records should yeah. have signed them Toby Mackerly yeah. missed that was one a on huge there. misstep that was a snub by Toby <laughs> he snubbed so Toby, Toby actually moved over to Soul Patch Records <laughs> <laughs> that was after he became a youth pastor oh snap <laughs> oh that's just we're alienating worship leaders and youth pastors in one podcast and, and Soul Patch wearers <laughs> Which I well, I think that's one and the same, isn't it? Because uh, nobody yeah, bite you faster. It's all synonymous. Exactly. Yeah. They're they're just adjectives that describe the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so so stay tuned for all that. Let's see. Up first, we've got your entertainment releases. Um, let's see. CDs coming out in stores on Tuesday, December eighth. We've got a few here. Uh, no Christian releases, but there's a few mainstream ones worth mentioning. Uh, we got. 30 Seconds to Mars, but this is war. Ooh, I love Jared Leto. Or Leto. Leto? Leto? I don't know. I don't know. I'm detecting sarcasm. <laughs> yes. <Okay. laughs> uh, Chris Brown with graffiti. Excellent. <laughs> Chris, Brown, Chris Brown, is he out of jail for his I don't think woman he ever had, beating? I don't think he ever had to go. I think he had to do community service. I think he had to do community service, too. Let's see. We got Jimmy Buffett with Buffett. 
Buffett Hotel or Buffet Hotel. I don't know. Uh, on the other end of the spectrum, we got Clips with Till the Casket Drops, The Game with the R.E.D. album, and Snoop, Snoop Dogg with Malice and Wonderland. I mean, three heavy hitters on the hip-hop spectrum. I will say I am way more excited about Clips than I probably should be yeah. as a Christian. Yeah. So, yeah. And Jesse is going to do his obligatory. They're from Virginia Beach yeah. right now. Go That's ahead. right. Go. Uh, uh, here, I'm gonna, I mean, we have Timberlands from here, <laughs> Missy Elliott, Clips, the Neptunes. It's it's one of the like I said, it's an area. A lot of hip hop guys come from here. Just I don't a, know why. Though. Just a huge area of filth, basically, is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, and people people talk really filthy here, so that could be. It. <laughs> and they deal a lot of coke. Oh snap! <laughs> wow. Well, that's what that's I don't know that Missy Elliott. Deals that's what coke. all of Clips' songs are about. But it's about dealing coke and being the richest in Virginia Beach. Well, that's not saying much, is it? I could. Oh <laughs> snap! Your only competition is Jesse. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Me, me and Clips are big rivals out on the street. I, I, I don't know if you guys know that. Well, but Which it, parts they do. Yeah. And it, you just you just raise the game by buying a Volvo. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Um, and then last but least is Usher with Monster. I actually always wondered what happened to Usher. He was he was the Chris Brown of the early 2000s. It's true. Movies coming out in theaters on Friday the 11th. Uh, it's, it's actually a, a bizarre week. The only wide release, national release, is The Princess and the Frog, which is 1980s animation technology. That could be good, though. I'm not, and the only reason I say that is because it's the head of Pixar who's now running Disney's animation department. And he basically came in and said, hand-drawn animation is an art form that we can't afford to lose, so we are going to pour resources in, into it again. Yeah, John Lasseter. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, then uh, some amazing films or highly anticipated films are coming out limited release, but not wide. So if you're in a select major metropolitan area, you could see the likes of The Lovely Bones, Invictus, A Single Man. There's others. So uh, have fun with that. Yeah. All right. Well, that'll do it for your entertainment releases. Up next, Charlie Hall. Today's podcast is brought to you by the Hungry Planet Bible Project and the documentary No Room at the Inn. It's a documentary of the stories of homeless women and their children and the reading of the Christmas story. It will move churches and families to compassion and to get involved with homeless shelters in their community this season. You can learn more at hpbp.org. You're listening to Raphael Sadiq. Song is staying in love. The video is playing right now over on Relevant TV. It's from the album The Way I See It. Uh, it's kind of old school uh, R&B, kind of a throwback in the R&B scene. I like Raphael Sadiq quite a bit. The beginning of the podcast, you heard Seabird. The song is Don't You Know You're Beautiful from their upcoming album Rocks Into Rivers, which is coming out December 15th. Uh, relevant trivia about Seabird. They played our five-year anniversary party here in our office with Pigeon John hmm. and uh, a couple other artists. It was an amazing performance. If you like Keen and that that kind of piano-driven alt-pop rock, uh, check it out. We'll have a review of their new album in a couple weeks. Oh, good. Yeah, I I, um, I, I got it a f- like a few weeks ago and really enjoy it. Yeah, it's good. Uh, if you go to church, you know Charlie Hall's music. Uh, he, he's been recording for 15 years and has written uh, a lot of songs that are sung on Sunday mornings. Uh, he, he has a new collection of songs called The Bright Sadness, uh, which echoes a journey pressed to the chest of God, joyful and sorrowful at once, with God's heart clear and pulsing in each note and word. It wraps liturgy with the unexpected and daily mundanity with daily surprise. You can uh, check him out at charliehall.com. Here's Charlie Hall performing his single, Walk the world. And God, as we walk this world, we want to be a sign. Our prayers flow into love. 
giving your life Broken but singing Our hearts keep shining Let my life shine Come and let my heart shine We're gonna walk the world Lift the bread and wine Like the stars shine Come and let our hearts shine In a dark world We lift the bread and wine God, we were born for this, born for this day and time. Our prayers flow into love, giving our lives. Broken but singing, our hearts keep shining. Let my life shine, come and let my heart shine. We're gonna walk the world. Lift the bread and wine like the stars shine. Come and let our hearts shine in a dark world. We lift the bread and wine. Let my light shine. Come and let my heart shine. We're gonna walk the world. Lift the bread and wine like the stars shine. Come and let our hearts shine in a dark world. We lift the bread and wine. But singing, our hearts keep shining. Broken but singing, our hearts keep shining. Let my life shine, come and let my heart shine. We're gonna walk the world, lift the bread and wine, like the stars shine. Come and let our hearts shine in a dark world. We lift the bread and wine Christ is the bread and wine Christ is the feast of life That was Charlie Hall. Check him out at charliehall.com. Well, if you think the content on our podcast is great, imagine what the content is like in our magazine. Do you know that this Christmas, you could give a relevant gift subscription for as little as $7.50. That's it. A year subscription for just $7.50. Check it out at relevantmagazine.com slash Christmas. You're listening to Why. The song is January 20-something. The video is playing right now over at Relevant.tv. It's from their latest album, Eskimo Snow. I don't even know what that means. It's a good, it's a good album. Is it? Yeah. But I was wondering about the title. Like, Do you think they just forgot? January 20-something? Yeah. They're like, well, I think it was the 25th, but I'm not real sure, so we'll just go with something. <laughs> yeah. It was that week. We know it was that week. <laughs> it was that week. Offering uh, a song sobering take on mortality that unfurls in lush waves of Americana and pop-infused psych folk, this album is wise, most live-sounding yet. A shadowy and sprawling piece as intimate in subject matter as it is handsome and timber. Wow, that that sounds like a press release. It's amazing. <laughs> no, I just came up with that on top of my head. Wow, that I was, was... going to say, if I had a dollar for all the times just today alone, I referred to a song as Handsome and Timber. Uh, <laughs> I'd be richer than Clips. <laughs> Which is not that wealthy, apparently, because Virginia Beach is like, what, 18,000 18, a year? 
<laughs> well, like I said, I've I've said a song is handsome and timber at least that many times today. <laughs> um, you can check uh, why out at myspace.com slash why anticon. All right. Uh, it's time for slices. Uh, here's Jesse. All right. Well, I, I've tried to stay away from this topic for a while now um, for good reason. Um, but I feel that I saw this, this story today and I feel it's my duty to, 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 you know, warn our listeners once again. I know we have a very cosmopolitan audience. They're world travelers. It's not completely unlikely to think that some of them may be going to the World Cup in South Africa uh, later next year. Yeah. Uh, so I felt it's my duty to, to do this because they had, they had, the news had a big warning today about crime in South Africa. But they, they've actually identified 17 gangs that are roaming the streets right now, uh, made up about 420 individuals. But here's the thing. They're baboons. <laughs> On Tuesday of this week alone, 30 baboons raided four cars. Okay? They have uh, evolved the ability to open car doors. Wow. Okay? And, and search out food. I want to read a couple quotes from this story. We spend the whole day basically rescuing tourists, said Mark Duffels, a volunteer who monitors the baboons in an effort to keep them at bay. All day, Mark Duffels says. Okay, there's a, posi- there's a volunteer position where all you do is keep baboons at bay? <laughs> because if that's true, then sign me up. <laughs> I, mean, I, would, I honestly am considering moving to South Africa because I know I'm destined for this anyway. I might as well start doing it now. Um, and then the, my other favorite quote is um, uh, that the, the, the officials have fears that the influx of visitors next year will only feed the primates' taste for human <laughs> you say you're, human you're, foods, but okay. still, it could, it, it could very well say human flesh. Say, you sure your uh, printout didn't just cut off there? Uh, <laughs> For human flesh foods, <laughs> are baboons the ones with the colorful butt, or are those gibbons? I don't know. I, I think they're bad. I think that's a baboon. That's it's, terrifying. That would be. I wouldn't want one of those flashy little butt things coming I have, up and attacking. I have a question. Why? Why can't they just? Oh, I don't know. Apprehend the baboons and or shoot them in the head. Baboons are very shifty. They could shoot yeah. them in the head. I don't think they could shoot them in the head. Maybe they're bulletproof. Okay, Aaron, let me tell you the only thing worse than 400 <laughs> wild baboons is 400 wild baboon ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> you you, you uh, go on a massacre like that. You're in for the haunting uh, that, that you, you don't want to experience that. The point taken. All right. It's true. All right. Um, so I, my slice is a little more on the techie side. And I mostly thought it was funny because it reminded me of the it reminded me of this thing my friends and I used to do in college. Which, if you guys have seen the uh, the movie from a few years ago, Minority Report, remember that movie Tom Cruise and Colin yeah. Farrell? I guess was in it. Um, and a lot of minorities. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of minorities, um, specifically bald women who enjoyed <laughs> spending a lot of time in the pool. Um, but there's that one scene, and it's ridiculous because Tom Cruise has this really intense look on his face, and he's like searching for a clue. But they, it's wait, in the wait, f- you just described the entire film. <laughs> <laughs> but there's so there's a specific hey, and you part. and you described every the both Mission Impossible movies, all three of Mission Impossible movies. Yeah. He has an intense look, and he's looking for a clue. <laughs> That's he just summed point. up his career. <laughs> <laughs> well, except except for Top Gun, he but he hasn't found the clue. He hasn't found the clue he's looking for. So anyway, so there's this one part, and because it's set in the future, apparently in the future you will be able to control the computer with these special little gloves. Yeah. And he's like sorting through videos, and it look—I mean, it looks like he's conducting a symphony. Right, right. And my friends and I like thought this was hilarious all through college. So anytime someone would start talking about, are like, you going to talk about Project Natal? No, hang on. Yes, I'm going to talk about Project. Oh, okay. Natal. Yeah, yeah. I was like, you know, that's real. Yeah, right? yeah. No, yeah. no, no. So, um, so my friends and I. Like would always make fun of this. Anytime someone talked about looking for a file, someone would do the Tom Cruise impression inevitably, and everyone would start laughing. So this week, Microsoft, uh, an executive of Microsoft, said that their new Project Natal, which is a game gaming peripheral that's coming out for the Xbox 360 next year, supposed to be really really revolutionary, like in how we control games and everything. But they said eventually they hope that it will control remote, uh, take the place of remote controls. 
So theoretically, you could pull a Tom Cruise and just be positioned in front of your TV looking like an idiot. <laughs> Basically like any Wii player. Mm-hmm. You'll be sitting there in front of your television, waving your arms about madly to get to the football game you want to watch. Why, well, wh- why did this hit news this week? Well, because they just like they've always talked about like changing the way we play games, but this is the first time that they've talked about changing the way we watch television. Oh, okay. Because I was saying Nadal's been in development for right, a right, long yeah. time. Yeah. No, but this is, you know, like they've taken on games and kind of said, we're going to stake our claim here, but now they're saying, not only do we want games, we want your whole entertainment life, yeah. basically. Wow. Well, so. I, I think it was Spielberg who did that, and they actually hired Futurist to consult on the script mm. for that because they wanted it to be... Mm. You know, uh, an educated look at the future. But really, any kid that ever played Duck Hunt or had a Nintendo Power Pad would have been able to tell you that that's the direction we're headed. Or, or seen the whiz. <laughs> yeah. it, it, it reminds me of the, the futurist, reminds me of that uh, Seinfeld episode where he does the, the stand up and he said, you know, he, he hates picking out outfits. He hates going shopping. He hates picking out outfits. So that's why he's looking forward to the future. Oh, yeah. Because in the future, it seems like society has just decided on the outfit, and it's gray, silver, it's silver with a V mm-hmm. in the chest. Yeah, and everybody, that's it. We we've just we all voted, and this is the look. Yeah, you know. And, and if and if you want a glimpse of that, just head over to Tomorrowland at Disney World, because <laughs> it's all the waiters at the fast food restaurant there <laughs> that's uh, true. wear the standard uniform of the future. Look at that of tomorrow. Nice little plug for Disney there. It's true. Also at Tomorrowland, they have adjusted <laughs> prices for inflation. <laughs> In the future, it costs $30 for a crappy cheeseburger and french fries. <laughs> Surprisingly, that pricing model is extended to all of Disney. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It has to be consistent in all the land. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, Although boy. it makes it doesn't, I feel like if they did that in Tomorrowland, then Frontierland, like food would have to be fried squirrel and it would cost a nickel. Right. Well, you, no. you know, you would just, you would just barter. Yeah. <laughs> you, know? you would actually work for it. You would be like, All right, your, I'll, go, I'll go move those bales of hay. <laughs> you could, sell, you could sell, your, sell your child. Oh man! <laughs> just be like, just be like, I'm getting, you know, I really would like a dinner for my whole family, so my kids are gonna come back and work for you tomorrow. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, since we're short-handed, we have a shorter slices segment, so that'll do it for slices. Stay tuned. Coming up next, we talk to Ron Sider. Did you know that right now you can be a part of Relevant's 12 Days of Christmas? Sign up at relevantmagazine.com slash 12, and we'll send you 12 exclusive offers, freebies, and discounts on all the good stuff that you want this Christmas. Go to relevantmagazine.com slash the number 12. You're listening to Monsters of Folk. That's terrifying. Monsters of Folk. Well, but it's terrifying in a kind of tender way. Yeah, well, the song is Say Please. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess I sort of, I sort of picture four versions of Art Garfunkel. <laughs> <laughs> like sitting but, with like, but they have to have the things, the pegs coming out of their neck because yeah. they're monsters. Exactly. Yeah. But like sitting it, around a campfire sort of singing softly well, about monsters. <laughs> it, it, considering like the lineup for that band, like, you know, Connor Oberst, M. Ward, you would think they would have come up with a little bit less pretentious, a little bit more poetic-sounding name, you know? Monsters of Folk. Wait, did you just say that Bright Eyes would not come up with something pretentious? <laughs> uh, check them out at monstersoffolk.com. It's terrifying. Ron Sider is a theologian and Christian activist. He's the founder of Evangelicals for Social Action, a think tank which seeks to develop biblical solutions to social and economic problems. He's a founding board member of the National Religious Partnership for the Environment. He's also the professor of theology, holistic ministry, and public policy at Palmer, Palmer Theological Seminary in Pennsylvania. He's published over 22 books and has written over 100 articles on a variety of topics, including the importance of caring for creation as a part of biblical discipleship. Uh, Ashley Emmert, who is our editor at rejectapathy.com, spoke to Dr. Sider recently, and here is part of that interview.
past decade, the church has turned its attention to social justice, and it's become something almost of a trend. What do you think has contributed to that? Well, I think several things. Um, I think that perhaps as important as anything has been the fact that um, over several decades, uh, evangelical leaders became more clear that the mission of the church is both evangelism and social action or social justice. Uh, Forty years ago, most evangelical leaders would have said <clears throat> that uh, the mission of the church is just to, to quote, save souls. But the um, Lutheran Covenant in 74, the Chicago Declaration in 73, a whole variety of developments, um, books and articles by third world leaders like uh, um, Samuel and Rene Padilla and Samuel Escobar and uh, on and on. Um, all of that has produced an enormous change at the theological, conceptual level, or so that today almost most evangelical and Pentecostal leaders would say, if asked, the mission of the church is both to uh, do evangelism and lead uh, non-Christians to faith in Jesus Christ, and also to try to um, do social justice in society. That's, that's one huge change. A second change, I think, is that more and more people begin to um, just really see how much the Bible says about God's concern for the poor. You know, Rick Warren says that um, until eight or so, or eight, nine years ago, he had just missed the uh, hundreds and hundreds of verses about God's concern for the poor. But he discovered them, and it changed what he and his church and his whole network is doing, and so they're now very, very much engaged in trying to combat HIV-AIDS and, and so on. What are some things that worry you about the social justice trend? Is there anything that you've seen that there's been a negative effect, and what positive effects have you seen as well? Yeah, well, I think I, I think that there's a lot that's um, positive. Um, you know, the, the the much increased evangelical concern for the environment, for example, is is really historic. Um, uh, it's, in fact, having already had uh, political impact. It's uh, one of the factors that um, has gotten us to the point where we'll uh, probably get um, significant climate legislation uh, probably sometime first part of next year, not just because of evangelicals, but the fact that more and more evangelicals are weighing in on that um, is significant. When you get, as you as you have in, in, in uh, recent weeks, um, the Christian Coalition and the Evangelical Environmental Network coming together to promote uh, climate change uh, concerns, you know, that, that's historic change. And, um, you know, that, that has happened. Growing evangelical concern for the poor, I mean, that's, that's positive. As I look around the world, I'll come back to negative things in a moment, I see, I have an, a lot of optimism about the next couple decades. I see evangelicals and Pentecostals who are passionate about evangelism all around the world embracing social engagement and justice for the poor as well as creation care and a variety of other issues, doing that and putting it together. And if we manage to do that, um, then I think that the next couple decades are going to be a simply wonderful time in terms of the history of um, Christian faith. Uh, Christianity is growing around the world, um, nowhere faster than among uh, you know, Pentecostals. Increasingly, Pentecostals are embracing social concern. And um, put that together with the power of the Holy Spirit, then you've got... Uh, absolute dynamite, I think. Here and there, I see evangelicals who embrace social justice uh, uh, in a way that begins to neglect evangelism, and that bothers me immensely. It seems to me absolutely crucial that the next generation, um, you know, 25 and 35-year-olds, uh, as they embrace social justice more deeply, that they uh, not for a moment lose the passion for evangelism, both because it's biblical, um, first because it's biblical, second because uh, people are not just created for life on earth, they're invited to live forever with the Lord, and if we don't tell them about the gospel and Jesus Christ, you know, um, then they don't know about that. And, uh, and third, because it's precisely the combination of evangelism and social action that works best during this life, because 
part of the problem with um, the, with broken people is that there have been bad personal choices about sex and drugs and alcohol and so on, and those a whole set of values needs to be changed. Nothing transforms a person more powerfully than a living relationship with Jesus Christ and personal faith. But you also need um, a good school system and um, uh, a job that earns a living wage, and so you've got to have a combination of, of evangelism, which transforms purple persons from the inside and creates new values, and on the other hand, the right social justice activity that um, enables them to get an education and buy a house and have a job that pays a family wage. Moving forward, how do you think we can maintain our momentum and our passion for social justice and keep it sustainable? Um, just to be to be biblical, I'm not. I've got a book called "I'm Not a Social Activist." Um, I'm not committed to social justice. I'm committed to Jesus and, and the Scriptures, and I want to follow Him. And it's because I'm committed to Jesus that I'm committed to empowering the poor and caring for creation, as well as doing evangelism. So I think the best way to sustain Christian social action long-term is to keep it solidly biblical, keep it grounded in, in solid historic Christian theology, keep it grounded in terms of its agenda, in the whole biblical agenda, uh, keep it grounded in a clear understanding that people need Jesus and a job, that we need to do evangelism and social action. All of that's crucial. Why do you think that is that some of the the scriptures that talk about helping the poor, why are those sometimes overlooked? You know, at one level, it it puzzles me because uh, evangelicals and Pentecostals are, I think, really mean it when they say they want to be faithful to Jesus and they want to be faithful to all the scriptures. But if you really read some of what the Bible says about God and the poor and the fact that God demands in the Bible that his faithful people share his concern for the poor, if you really let that sink into your mind and heart, it requires real change. It requires you spending less on yourself and sharing more to empower poor people. And um, the advertising uh, is powerful. It says that uh, we get joy and fulfillment through more and more things. That's a big lie, but um, we hear it all the time, and it's, it's convincing. And so we have this tension between what the culture says and what the advertising says and what the Bible says, and our preachers have not been preaching. I don't think there's one uh, evangelical Pentecostal preacher in 50 who talks about the poor as much as the Bible does, uh, and so we haven't been taught the biblical perspective, and so we kind of unconsciously fall into what the culture tells us. And uh, it's crucial that um, our Christian leaders be more faithful, be more biblical in their preaching, or to put it more pointedly, it's crucial that our Christian leaders stop being heretical uh, in their neglect of the hundreds and hundreds of verses in the Bible about God's concern for the poor. I know you work with politics and you think it is important to be part of the political um, world. So what advice would you give to President Obama and his administration in regards to aid and helping the poor? Yeah, my first comment in general about politics is it's not it's not all important. It's not as important as evangelism. It's not as important as, as living a faithful Christian life. But Christ is Lord of all. That includes politics and economics. And so we ought to ask, what does it mean to let Christ be Lord of our economics and our politics? And so, yes, I do think that um, one thing that faithful Christians should do is be engaged politically. What would I tell uh, you know, President Obama? I would um, tell him what I say in my recent book, The Scandal of Evangelical Politics, uh, which is really about the much broader topic of how can we think biblically about politics. It's not really a critique of evangelicals. It's, it's really about a method, of, of an approach that allows us to be engaged in politics in a, in a faithful, biblical way. And I would say, um, to the extent that you want to be genuinely Christian as a politician, then I think you're going to have to be pro-life and pro-poor, pro-family, pro-racial justice, uh, pro-creation care, pro-peacemaking. What do you see as the most critical areas of need in the next 10 years? You know, I, I'm always very uneasy with that question. 
Over the last uh, 40 years, I've had friends who've said the really important issue is abortion. Uh, it overrides all the others. Or the really most important issue is um, nuclear weapons or poverty or, you know, you name it. I have always wanted to say that you've got to have a biblically balanced agenda. And that means you can't just focus on one issue. Now, within that framework, I'm, I'm willing to lift up uh, four or five that I think are very important. Um, I think continuing to respect the sanctity of human life is crucial. Um, I think that uh, it's crucial that we end the scandal of widespread poverty, both in our own nation, in the richest nation in human history. We still have the highest poverty level of any industrialized nation. And globally around the world, um, you know, we've got over a billion people who try to live on a dollar a day. We know what to do to change those things. So um, reducing poverty dramatically would be a second uh, crucial issue. Um, I think that um, that marriage in, in our society is in crisis. Uh, I think that's most of all because Christians don't keep their marriage vows. Evangelicals get divorced at the same rate as everybody else, and that's an incredible scandal. Uh, I think we also ought to preserve the traditional understanding of marriage in, in terms of our law, but uh, the, the most important thing Christians could do would, would just be to live joyous, wholesome, faithful marriages, that would be so attractive that more and more people would say, whatever enables you to do that, I want to do that too. It would even be a powerful evangelistic tool. So marriage is, is, is crucial. I think that uh, climate change um, is absolutely crucial. I, I think that um, dealing with the threat of nuclear weapons uh, is crucial. All of those and, and others are, are, are very important. And under the church light, you stand You're listening to Seawolf. Goodness gracious, another terrifying band name. Seawolf? <laughs> Seawolf, that's the last thing you want to say. I mean, we had Seabird earlier. I don't yeah, mind a Seabird. Right. That's, that's well, that, a Seabird a sea sounds pretty pleasant. It is pleasant. Yeah. I was going to say, though, but I, I, I'm not really terrified by the idea of a wolf in the sea. I, it would just be swimming at you. No, but if it but if it lived indigenously in the sea. Well, right, but yeah. they're not saying that. It's it's a, a I think that's referring not a, not a wolf like that happens to be swimming in the sea. I think yeah. it's the wolf of the sea. Yeah, it's oh. a sea wolf. Okay, I mean, this isn't scarier. just a dog paddling okay. around. See, I was just picturing a, like a doggy paddling wolf, and I was like, I'd just swim underneath. Uh, uh, sea wolf. Uh, the, the song is "Wicked Blood." I mean, this is this is just <laughs> terrible. <laughs> It's from their latest album, White Water, White Bloom. I don't know what that means. Merry Christmas, everyone. I know. (laughs) Wicked blood. Seawolfmusic.com if you want to be terrified. Go check it out. Charlie Hall, he came in on a Saturday, and and Chad met him here at the studio to record it, and, and, and tweeted... How epic his goatee was. And Uh didn't you say he was combing his his goatee? He was literally parting it. Like... Like he had he it. He turned in it like, into like two fangs. Like two fangs, like braids. <laughs> well, he's probably 10 years into it. Well, yeah. but I was going to say, I mean, it's like he's got a stalactite or stalagmite, <laughs> whatever it is, like coming out of his chin. Wait, well, no, that's the one that grows up. I don't remember which don't one. Is which is. <laughs> no, stalactites hold on tight to the ceiling. That's how you remember. How? Um, really? Do you like teach the- <laughs> third grade science? Like. <laughs> No, that's as far as he got. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's the last thing I learned. Buddy. He's like, have you heard about this new thing called chlorophyll? <laughs> Photosynthesis. <laughs> um, it's like the dude from Anthrax. Have you seen him? Yeah, yeah. this is ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. For some reason, he's interviewed like on every behind the music for no matter what the oh, artist yeah, is. It's like, absolutely. oh, they're that, there's that dude for Anthrax talking about Mariah Carey. <laughs> well, I remember. I remember. Actually, first, that's Charlie Hall. <laughs> I remember first talking about Anthrax, like during the whole Anthrax scares, like right after September 11th. Remember? Remember all that? It's so weird to think about that now. Yeah, they they sent it to a tabloid publishing company in Florida. Really? Yeah, in in envelopes huh. and shut them down. Somebody died. And I remember my parents owned a publishing company, and I. Um, 
we were they gave us a suite in their building during mm-hmm. that time for the first few years of relevant they they uh we were in their building and uh and I remember the scare because not only did we have the publishing media thing going on in the building mm-hmm. the Christian thing, and so you know right, so they moved the mail room off site huh. and here's how they did it. they got a mobile home and put it in the parking lot nice, and so they got this trailer and the two Minimum wage mailroom kids had to be in the trailer by themselves, opening on the mail, checking for anthrax. The kids were going <laughs> to die. It was like, we, we, you are expendable. That's what they said to them. Well, that's, so. that's exciting. Well, I was just going to say, and I remember thinking like, wow, sucks to have that band name at this point. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it would be like, I mean, it'd be like the equivalent of someone this year being like, hey, have you heard our new band H1N1? Like, <laughs> yes. Or Jesse's uh, friend, uh, whose fantasy hoops team is called Swine Flu, and uh, and he contracted Swine Flu literally days after naming his team that. That is just desserts. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, Charlie Hall, when he came in that Saturday to perform, he he did four songs for us. Yeah, you've heard one of them, and right now we're we're, we're going to play the second. The other two songs you can actually find and download and stream over at the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. Again, his current album is The Bright Sadness. You can find out more at charliehall.com. Without any further ado, here is Charlie Hall performing Hookers and Robbers. Hookers and robbers, naked and hungry, mothers and fathers, abuses, excuses, guns in your hands. I'll even welcome the arrogant man. I welcome you all to the biggest of feasts, a night of no shame to pause and to breathe. This is a night of love's renovation, a feast I am sure that could change your whole nation. Me, I am not such an excellent host. I'm one who forgives but needs it the most. I found the liar, the killer of hearts, and I ran away with a new way to start. A journey in a road where a bright man appeared. He looked into me and my eyes filled with tears. My breath fast and short, heart burning deep. He gave me new eyes and a new way to see. Come as you are, as you are, as you are. Come as you are, as you are, as you are. Still defiled his great love ways I felt such a famine when I ran away I missed the presence, the voice like a song I was nasty and dirty, I knew I was wrong He ran to me like a dream, like a father This love is not earthly, this love must be other Carried me home, threw me a party A party so loud like the greatest love story Oh my dear friends, applaud now please I've invited you here to announce you are free he takes your chains, busting you out of prison Just open your heart, let your heart come and listen Come as you are As you are As you are Come as you are As you are As you are Accept all your pounding and screaming, your raging, your freaking, cussing and beating. How while he holds you and always forgiving. This is the story of love and of living. Wipe off your tears, laugh just a little. Come break this bread, celebrate the forgiver. Raise up a glass, it's time to remember. Come break this bread, celebrate the forgiver. Come as you are, as you are. As you are, come as you are, as you 
are As you are Oh, friends, come Come as you are Come as you are My friends, come Come as you are Come as you are That was Charlie Hall. Can uh, I just say that was handsome in temper? <laughs> I was talking about the goatee. <laughs> I think he prefers the term limber for his goatee. <laughs> his, his timber is handsome. Yeah. His goatee is limber. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. All right. There you go. <laughs> You're listening to Florence plus the machine. The uh, the song is Rabbit Heart, Raise It Up from their debut album Lungs, released this past July. You know what? Really like Florence plus the machine. Is it and the machine? I, I, I actually tweeted, if you're into the St. Vincent, um, Rosie Thomas-ish ilk, I don't mean to stereotype all indie white women, you know, whatever, but I mean, it really is that same kind of vein mm-hmm. and it's really, really good. I bought. I got it the same day I got uh, Metric. Metric. Oh, okay. Album, yeah. So, a lot of female indie rock. Yeah, a lot of girl power in your life right now. In my life, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, um, okay. It's time for your feedback. Last week we asked you uh, a, uh, a, a an important question. We, uh, as you know, last week we launched rejectapathy.com, and it's our site within a site. It's uh, it's it's relevance extension. Uh, into Christian social engagement, social justice issues. And uh, to commemorate the launch of rejectapathy.com, we asked you, what are you doing this Christmas season to reject apathy uh, in your cities, in your life, in your family? And um, we wanted to select 10 of your responses to send a kind of gift pack from the One campaign, a One shirt, a hat, and wristband. Um, And because uh, they're all long and thoughtful and important, we don't want we can't take time to read all 10 but we'll read a few here of our favorites and then I'll tell you the names of the 10 winners and then if your name is called email us and we will send you your winnings uh Andrew Feel says this year we're launching something called Mission Christmas our goal with Mission Christmas is to provide high quality new and gently used toys and gifts for hardworking families in the downtown Fresno neighborhood at an affordable price. We believe that there is dignity for families in purchasing their own Christmas gifts for their children and family. So we're encouraging our church and community to empower families and bring pride back to parents. And then he gives a video uh, and a link, which you can check out if you look at the site. The MissionChristmas.org. Yeah, that, I, it's fantastic. Andrew, you, you hit on something that I that's personal for me. Our, our church actually does the same thing. They have a Christmas mall. The community can come out and buy the gifts. I mean, it's, you know, Dimes on the dollar, right. you know, the gifts are donated, but then the families have the dignity of doing their own Christmas shopping. They may not have much money, but the parents want to provide for their kids. They right. don't want to be given. Who wants to be a charity case, right. you know? And so I love that that their strategy, Andrew's strategy, is to, to uh, you know, basically give dignity to the families by letting them buy it themselves at an affordable price. That is fantastic. Yeah, it, It's similar to the idea of microfinance, where... It's empowering people, uh, you know, it's not just giving them them money to start a business, but it's actually teaching them the principles and let them doing it in a way that, you know, not only helps them, but it also fills them with like the self-respect that, that they're paying this back, you know, mm-hmm. and they're, they're, they're able to do some of this themselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so there's this guy who is an American working as an English teacher in East Asia. And he was saying that there's one, um, there's one in in the city that he teaches in and, um, he teaches, he teaches at a place with, uh, 300 middle school students. He teaches English. 
Um, but there are children, he said, in the city and the rural areas surrounding it who have horrible situations. Um, people have watched their parents abandon them. Um, there are three little girls that have uh, fallen victims to violent home lives and have fallen through the cracks and they watch their mother actually execute their father. Uh, their kids like sold into slavery and all this, um, you know, just these horrible, horrible situations. Um, so what he did is he and his students um, started a project to raise uh, money necessary so the kids can get some resources to try to, you know, help them navigate, I guess, the way through a really turbulent home life. Uh, so all the students drew uh, hand pictures that are being placed on the front of Christmas cards. And there are a thousand completely unique cards, each featuring a picture of a drawing from one of his students. And the goal is to get rid of them by Christmas. Um, so you can buy them from the website, and 100% of the money earned will go toward taking care of the kids. What's the in website? His community. Uh, the website is projectsfs.com. I love it. I love I love these entrepreneurial yeah. ideas yeah. that people are doing. That's awesome. And to make this even cooler, this guy doesn't even want a prize. Yeah, because he's in East Asia, yeah. and he's like, the shipping would be crazy, so give it to somebody else. Yeah. But we really appreciate that. Um, yeah. For more stories like this, and even to add your own, uh, go over to last week's podcast page and, and check it out. There's a lot of really uh, cool stories there. Um, and like I said, just for time reasons, we can't read them all. Here are the 10 that stood out to us. And if you if I call your name, definitely email us at feedback at relevantmagazine.com and we will send you um, the one gear. Uh, Andrew Feel, Kyle, now, not, if your name's just Kyle, don't email us. But if you're the Kyle that posted, um, SurrenderMK536, uh, RyansVS650, uh, Kyle Reed, uh, John and Ira Book, Brandino, Caleb, Jen Moretz, and Sarah Escamilla. If I called your name, email us at feedback at relevantmagazine.com and we will send you a pack of one gear for the holidays. Okay, and other housekeeping news before we do this week's question of the week. So stay tuned. I know you're on pins and needles. Um, let's see. Uh, the close of November, thankfully, brought to the end, brought us to the end of the No Shave November furry face competition here at the relevant offices. Yeah. Well, for, for everybody but you. Tim isn't Tim isn't shaving either. Oh yeah, he said he's going through May. Yeah, no, he's going through January, I think. Because the marathon. Because of the marathon, yeah. yeah. He's, he's running a marathon, so he's keeping it. And you would think he would trip. That makes over sense. the beard. Yeah, it makes. No and sense I'm keeping mine because my girlfriend likes it. Mm. Interesting. So, yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> I I I can say uh, to all of you who have been to the podcast episode pages, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> considering two thirds of the page has been these extreme close-ups of these faces. Uh, that is no more. They're very beautiful. So, But we do need you to vote on the winner to settle the dispute here in the, the office. Um, but because uh, I don't want to put it on the podcast episode page anymore, um, we are going to post the final pictures over at RelevantGentlemanSociety.com. It's our, it's our uh, little homage to facial hair over there. So you can go over to RelevantGentlemanSociety.com and vote on the, the winning uh, facial uh, right and, and I mean I don't want to use my platform to unfairly persuade anyone um, even though I do but I just want to point out that I think this week's picture really proves that even though I have some patches that haven't completely grow in I can grow a killer mustache and that's what really matters Really? Yeah. That is what really matters? Yeah. Okay. Look at my mustache. Look at Chad's mustache. Well, Chad's got a Fu Manchu today. It is disgusting. It is. He looks like a dirty baseball player from the late 80s. I, I, he he turned the corner. I took a step back because he scared me. Yeah. You know, Does I realized... he look like his name should be Catfish? <laughs> <laughs> well, he told me he looks like the Edge from the Pop Tour, which is true. But I also realized who else he reminds me of. He just needs a mullet. He looks like Mike Piazza. <laughs> <laughs> which is not a which is not a compliment. <laughs> if you're wondering what uh, what he looks like, we maybe post that as a little bonus picture yeah, a little, over little bonus picture. Mike Piazza, <laughs> <laughs> who also briefly played drums in Anthrax. <laughs> he did play drums in a heavy metal band, though. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Uh, one other update. Um, as you know, we are working with the One Campaign to. Uh, kind of add more of our readers to their ranks. 
uh, and their efforts to fight uh, global poverty, disease, and and hunger. And uh, if you go over to relevantmagazine.com slash add your voice, you could sign up, uh, join, you know, what they want is our voice. They don't want our money. They don't want anything else. They just want our voice as they go and, and work with the government and advocate on behalf of those who can't, uh, who don't have a voice. They need us to stand with them. And so if you go to relevantmagazine.com slash add your voice, you can you can sign up right there. If you have a group that wants to get involved, uh, you can email Sarah Beth at relevantmagazine.com and she can give you all the details. She can send you free magazines and some other doodads if you have a church group or a campus group or something that wants to help us get signatures. Uh, we'd appreciate it. Now, you probably remember uh, a few weeks ago, a month ago, uh, we mentioned uh, Chad Michael Snavely uh, mentioned the contest we're doing with author Jason Boyette around his Pocket Guide series that's recently released, uh, specifically the Pocket Guide to Sainthood. Uh, we had a contest. There are winners. Earlier today, Chad uh, spoke to Jason Boyette, who's going to announce the winners now. All right, well, over here at Relevant, uh, we have just finished uh, what we call the Great Relevant Saint Off competition. Uh, basically, what we asked you to do is we asked you to create your own saint. Uh, we figured people can be saints of just about anything. So if our celebrities today were elected as saints, what would they be saints of? Uh, we asked you to go over to relevantmagazine.com and, uh, and, and do your entries over there. And we were going to pick uh, our top three out of that. And from that, there would ultimately be a grand prize winner winning a $100 Amex gift card just in time for the holidays. So uh, the three winners would also receive uh, copies of Jason Boyette's three new pocket guide books, The Pocket Guide to the Bible, The Pocket Guide to the Afterlife, and of course, the pocket guide to sainthood. And who do I have on the phone with me right now? None other than Jason Boyette. What's up, man? Hey, good to be here. Hey, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for doing this with us. We appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Now, um, an example of this saint, uh, and I'm not sure who came up with this, but uh, an example of a celebrity saint, let's say we were going to pick you, uh, Saint Jason, the patron saint of slightly snarky books that are supposed to fit in your pocket but don't. How does that make you feel? Yeah, that's that's pretty accurate. I, uh, you know, we call them pocket guide books, but really, you've got to be wearing cargo pants <laughs> in order for those to fit in your in your pocket. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's 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 close, but not entirely accurate. So, I'll I'll own up to that potential patronage. Love it, love it. Well, tell me, since I got you on the phone, just tell me real quick about uh, the pocket guide books, the series that you wrote. Why did you go about doing this? Uh, just tell me a little bit about them. Well, the, the, the Pocket Guide series started with Pocket Guide to the Apocalypse, which was uh, one of the first books I wrote for Relevant. And what, uh, what we wanted to do was really just take a big theological idea, you know, one of those big, hairy, complex sorts of, of uh, you know, elements of, of religion and kind of bring it down into a book that was a lot more accessible, that was um, short and entertaining and gave you an overview of, of this big subject. Um, you know, so that we had something in an educational package, something in a fun package, but you would read it and, you know, uh, be able to understand something else about it, you know, by the time you're finished with that. So we started with Pocket Guide to the Apocalypse and uh, went on to expand the series into uh, the Bible, sainthood, and the afterlife. So uh, the three new books um, are just taking sort of that template that we started with with Apocalypse and expanding it to other topics. Very cool. Well, three uh, of the people that went over to relevantmagazine.com and entered this contest are, go- are going to be receiving uh, those three new books from you. Um, Jason, we asked you uh, to go on the website to read through. We almost had about uh, 90, 92, I think it was, entries of this. Yeah, we asked, there were a bunch. Yeah, there was. And, and there were some really good ones. Um, we were enjoying them. I hope you were enjoying them as well. But we asked you to pick uh, the top three. Can you give us uh, your top three picks? And these are going to be our winners. Okay. Yeah, here's, here's the top three. Uh, first one was submitted by Dell, D-E-L. And uh, this was St. T. Um, referring to Mr. T, uh, and and his patronage is that he pities all fools. <laughs> so I, I'm not sure if he's the patron of fools or those who actually pity fools, but I, I think anytime you can attach sainthood to Mr. T, yes. uh, it's going to get my attention. I'd, I'd totally wear a little medallion with his face on <laughs> it's it. It's a guaranteed winner. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good one. So uh, St. T, that's, okay. that's the first one. All right. Um, second one was St. Pee-wee, 
the patron saint of big adventures. And this was submitted by, it's me, um, not actually me, but a, a person calling himself or herself, it's me. All right. Uh, so St. Saint, Saint Peewee uh, is Peewee Herman, the patron saint of big adventures. And I am uh, a certain fan of having big adventures. Yes. And so, yeah, he'd, he'd be a great saint for definitely, that. Definitely, definitely. And then the third one, and, and this is going to be our grand prize winner. Right. This is This is the one we like the best. The third one was St. Paris, um, in reference to Paris Hilton, submitted by Nicole P. And St. Paris is a patron saint, but no one has any idea why. Nobody knows why she's a patron saint, which is... Uh, pretty accurate yes. uh, for the real Paris. Yeah, yes, it is. And so we'll we'll give them that one on creativity and humor and uh, you know just kind of telling the truth. So, yeah. Uh, Saint Paris Hilton is the grand prize winner, and so congratulations to Nicole P and to the uh, the other two prize winners. How do, how does Paris Hilton do it? She always wins, doesn't she? She does always win. I I don't know how she does that. There's there's really no substance to that entry, but somehow it, it got our attention. <laughs> it did. It got the attention of everyone around the office too. That was that was definitely one of our favorites here too. Uh, congratulations to Dell. It's me and Nicole P. Uh, the three of you are going to be receiving uh, copies of Jason Boyette's The Pocket Guide books, Pocket Guide to the Bible. Pocket Guide to the Afterlife, and of course, the Pocket Guide to Sainthood. And then, uh, Nicole P., for your entry, uh, you are going to be winning a $100 Amex gift card. Uh, we want to thank everyone that uh, went over to relevantmagazine.com and contributed in this contest. Jason, we want to thank you for, uh, for being a part of this and for uh, taking some time to talk with us and announce our winners today. Yeah, my pleasure. I, I, I think it was great and uh, was thrilled with, with all the different ideas. So, good job, everybody. Man, we are just giving away a ton of stuff here on The Relevant Podcast. Oh, my goodness. Um, okay, now that that's over, it is time for this week's Question of the Week. Editorial Question of the Week. If you went over to uh, relevantmagazine.com today or this weekend, you saw that the lead feature is the Oh Holy Mix. Uh, we selected our 15 favorite spiritual Christmas songs. And um, what we want to know for this week's editorial question of the week is, what are your favorite Christmas songs or favorite Christmas albums of the last five years? So, you know, keeping it, keeping it current, basically. Yeah. So it's not exactly the, the spiritual songs that we did. We kind of wanted to kind of sift through all the clutter and spotlight the great holy songs, but uh, the sacred songs, I should say. Yeah. But we want to know today what your favorite Christmas songs are of the last five years. Can I say, I got an advanced CD of a Christmas album, which is actually pretty good, <laughs> but you'll understand why I'm laughing in a moment, because the name is terrifying. It is called, and I'm not making sea this wolf. up. <laughs> it is called, and I'm not making this up, A Christmas Gift from Phil Spector. <laughs> I was like, I don't want it. I don't oh want it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't want it. I don't want it. <laughs> it's like... I mean, it would be like Char Charlie Manson's Christmas hits. Like, why would you? <laughs> wow. Why would you like label your Christmas album that way? And it's really good stuff because it's like old Motown stuff and stuff he produced back in the sixties and seventies. Yeah. Wow! But a Christmas gift from Phil Spector. All right. Well, stuff like that. If you want to answer, you can go over to the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com and right there in the comments underneath, just post your favorites. If you want to throw links in there, do it um, and let the debate ensue. Next week on the podcast, we'll read your responses and play clips. And of, mock them. And, uh, <laughs> can, can I just say, I was thinking about doing like a Christmas mixtape this year mm -hmm. and I've come, up with the, I've come up with two options for a title. Okay? okay. One is going to be the soundtrack to Ernest Saves Christmas. Nice. Uh, the other one, because I was listening to Christmas songs, I was actually, it was Weezer's We Wish You a Merry Christmas. And I didn't realize how weird that song is. Like, you know, part of that song is basically them demanding figgy pudding. <laughs> like, uh, you know, we want some figgy pudding. We're not leaving till we get some. It's like, who are these people demanding figgy pudding? What is figgy pudding? Exactly. I don't know. It's a good well, question. Because I imagine the time this song was written, people would go caroling. Could you imagine if a mob of carolers came by your house demanding figgy pudding where they're not going to leave? <laughs> or a mob of ba baboons. 
Yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, who who crave figgy pudding? They probably want human pudding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was going to name my Christmas mix an extra helping of figgy pudding. Oh, that's clever. But I don't know if it's going to happen. That's no, a little... no, a Christmas gift of figgy pudding from Jesse Carey. There you go. <laughs> I don't want your figgy pudding. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't even know what well, that too is. Too bad you're getting some. <laughs> Jesse carries figgy pudding. That's what you need to call it. <laughs> <laughs> no, figgy pudding mix. It's like That's right. <laughs> my recipe mix, but no, it's a mixed tape. Ooh. Oh, all right. Well, so anyway, go over to the website, post yours. Um, th- this will be a fun one next week. We can play the clips and revel in the merriment. Indeed. All right. Many thanks to Dr. Ron Sider for, for talking to us. If you want to check out uh, his organization, you can go to www.esa-online.org. They're doing some very important work uh, talking to Christians about creation care issues. Uh, and many thanks to Charlie Hall. Remember, two unaired songs, live songs, over at the podcast episode page. Make sure to check those out. And you can find out his tour dates and more information about his current albums at Charlie Hall. Com. Well, with that, we'll wrap it. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Ryan Ham. I'm Jesse Carey. We will see you next week. If I had a dollar for all the times just today alone, I referred to a song as Handsome and Timber, I'd be richer than Clips.